Time to dive into Big Ten play and head east for the Hawkeyes as they conclude at 2-1 and one in the non-conference schedule of 2022. Welcome to Hawkeyes Live right here at the Voice of College Football with Corey Bratta, of course, from the Hawkeye of the Storm. If you don't know this, and I guess everyone's well-informed from the Hawkeye of the Storm, great place to be for Iowa football and basketball coverage. Corey, how are you doing today? I'm good. Um, man, I, I, I don't... Uh... I don't reflect a ton of an excitement for Iowa Rutgers. I hope that when I get there on Saturday, I'm more excited, Mark. Usually a night game gets me amped, whether it's on the road or at home. But there's something about this game um, that just doesn't really excite me. So I'm hoping our, our guest, we're going to have a Rutgers guest here in a few minutes. He can kind of liven my spirits. It's going to be a lot of defense. These are two good defenses. But two, as you know, very, uh, I don't mean to say mediocre is not even a fair term. These are two bad offenses right yeah. now, yeah. and uh, that's that's putting it lightly. Rutgers uh, knocked off Temple 16-14 to 14 this past weekend. Um, put that together with their opening game effort, which was, uh, to me, uh, a surprise at the time against Boston College. They came back from two scores down in the fourth quarter to win 22-21, but even in scoring over 20 points, the offense limited there. If you look at their their offensive rankings in college football they're a bit deceptive week two that middle victory wagner 66 points on the board a lot of offense in that game against an inferior foe uh so redkers challenged as well but three and oh graciano building something uh there i caught his news conference uh this week on the big 10 network so you know he's he's pleased with his team pleased with this program and and certainly uh I would say that there are a lot of correlations between not just uh, the the two offenses, but the the questions that are posed by the media for for both head coaches because he was questioned quite a bit about the offense and what do you need to do to get things jump started. Uh, one thing of note that I remember was eighty uh, um, percent run pass ratio on first down, and a lot of questions about predictability. You know, maybe breaking trends to, to especially not just facing uh, the run of the mill defense that they've had issues uh, scoring and and moving the ball against in two of the first three weeks. But we're talking about facing one of the best defenses in the nation now, and and trying to take an offense that has yet to generate anything against uh, an FBS level opponent yet, and then the, to ramp that up against an Iowa team. I, I don't know if we're looking at like a scoreless game here. I agree. Yeah, I mean, you and I joked about this. Uh, well, it wasn't really a joke. When we talked about Iowa, Iowa State, and we were talking about, oh, I don't know how they hit the over, and I went on, out on a limb late in the week, and uh, game week, and said, I think they'll <laughs> hit the over. Did. I think Iowa will find a way. No, uh, that didn't happen. So Iowa's played a 7-3 to game. They played a 10-7 to game. They scored the 7, of course. And then, uh, you know, beating Nevada over the course of seven hours, which just completely drains a person. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Nevada's not a good football team. I think we know that right now. Uh, that's just not a very good football team. Um, but um, I will say this. You you, you brought up uh, Rutgers' offense. Th- they're pretty bad right now. I mean, Mark, they're not I, – I looked up their total. I mean, I could actually pull it up here. If you look at uh, FBS rankings right now for total offense, all right, Rutgers, as of uh, – what are we going into? Week, week three uh, – week four, I'm sorry – um, they rank right now 91 in the country. But the problem with these rankings is it takes into account uh, that game against Rutgers, which I don't even know if that game should be counted towards their numbers because, or excuse me, against Wagner. I don't know if it should be counted because 
as you said, not only is it an FCS team, it's a terrible FCS team. Um, but I guess you got to count it. So let's just look at what they did against Wagner. Uh, you alluded to it. They put up five, excuse me, 585 total yards against Wagner. 585. Now think about that, Mark. They've played three games. They scored 585 in one game, and yet they're only averaging 369.3, which is good for 91st in the country. So just do the math. Uh, they they score 16 against Temple. They had uh, 264, two, excuse me, 201 yards in that game. They got outgained on the road by the Owls, the Owls. And then, uh, of course, the uh, Golden Eagles, they get uh, uh, very close there. Actually outgained Boston College by 10, but just 322 total yards. So not to what Iowa has done. Believe me, if you look at the numbers, Iowa still has the worst offense, and there's not going to be a team on the schedule unless something changes that I'm going to say otherwise. Iowa is going to be uh, the disadvantaged part of that team will be the offense in every game the entire season. So we understand that. Uh, but my, I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head. If we wanted to be kind of facetious and and uh, uh, sarcastic about Iowa's chances, Iowa and Iowa State's chances of playing that game, you know, in the twenties or thirties, I mean, this then we shouldn't have any question at all. There shouldn't be any question at all. This game, I will be shocked if either team, either one of these teams, hits twenty. Now it's possible. I brought that up and put cut a video that's going to be released here a little bit later on my channel. Um, it's possible that somebody gets, you know, you get a punt return, you get a kick return, mix in a couple safeties like Iowa had week one. It is possible. I mean, see but, but that's Iowa and Nevada. The path. That's the point that you're making is if, yeah. if one of the two teams or both of them hit 20, it's not going to be 80-yard drive, 70-yard right. scoring plays. It's going to be defense slash special teams generated points for the offense. Or, you know, there, there's an interception where Iowa takes it down to the six-yard line and the the offense only has six yards to drive for a touchdown. Well, that's that's a defensive score uh, to a large extent. And Mark, Iowa's also proven to consistently be really skilled at wasting good field position. Um, now, there have been times where they've punched it in. You look at the uh, the blocked punt against Iowa State. They they have a nice couple of runs from LaShawn Williams, and they punched it in for six, but that was the only touchdown of the game. So um, Iowa consistently is going to have good field position. Um, the thing with Rutgers, though, Mark, and, and I don't want this to be a, a you know a, a show on punting, but they have one of the best punters in the country in Adam Corsack. This is a battle of maybe the two best punters in the country. I think you could make that argument. So it's going to be all about field position, and I, I get nobody wants to talk about that. I, I don't really like talking about that. I've seen the media, several people in the Iowa media this week have written articles about the punting battle and, you know, I, I don't read much stuff anyways, Mark. I, mean, I know you don't. You love college football, but you just don't have time to consume a ton of extra content. I'm the same way, but, man, I really, if, even if I was a content consumer, if you will, I, I wouldn't be reading that stuff. It just doesn't interest me. Um, I can still acknowledge that those are probably the two most important players in the field, but that's not a good thing. I mean, that's not something to be bragging about if you're Iowa, I mean, or, or Rutgers, frankly. Um, but it is the bottom line is both of those guys um, are going to be huge in this game and who can take advantage of field position because both teams, I mean, Corsac is nearly as maybe in, in our, our guest here in a few minutes might tell me otherwise. I, I think, I think Tory Taylor is the best in the country at creating um, good field position. And, you know, you pair that with a couple of gunners in Cooper DeGene and Terry Roberts, who are just absolutely sensational. Um, and, and I mean, you, you see those guys in the field, 
um, it's a work of art what they do and and how skilled they are at doing it along with Tori and his ability to, to pin teams deep. So Corsac uh, Taylor, that's the storyline this Saturday. Iowa Redkers, uh, both teams 3-0, 7 o'clock start Eastern time in Piscataway. And before we get to our guests, we want to remind everyone that our show here at uh, Hawkeyes Live every Tuesday brought to you by the fine folks at uh, Gene Arthur Insurance, Gene Arthur Associates. Go to www.jaainsurance.com. You can find that link in the description section of any of the videos here at the Voice of College Football Iowa and I will also leave it in the live chat as well. Go to that link, get your instant quote on, shoot, every type of possible conceivable insurance you could ever want. Home, auto, motorcycle, boat, RV, business owner policies, commercial package policies, dental, health, life, and others. It's all covered. Contact uh, the fine folks at Gene Arthur Associates. Uh, again, www.jaainsurance.com. Also keep in mind that part of your, your um, balance there will help um, in donations to families in need. So why not save yourself some money? Get an instant quote. It takes just a few seconds there at uh, Gene Arthur's. All right, Rutgers, Iowa. We've got um, a guest coming in. We got uh, Chris Nowoski from the Night Report, Rutgers rival. Uh, Chris, we appreciate you being here at the Voice of College Football. How are you doing today? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, I really appreciate you having me on. And uh, I heard you guys talking about Adam Korsak, you know, you know, right when I hopped on. Um, I, you know, I, th- I think he's the best punter of the nation. So, <laughs> okay, we can have a uh, you listen, I, <laughs> Marky, I'm not gonna, I don't have the strength to, to fight over who's got the better punter. Yeah, but, I may have um, to separate you two. I'll place myself in the middle yeah, box. Yeah, what, here a, to what a battle. Two of a punting me, battle between Rutgers and Iowa. We've got uh, uh, Brad Robbins, the great Michigan punter, being uh, touted in the live chat as well. So, <laughs> Chris, big, I have big to, on punting. I have to ask you this, Chris. Are you pr- are Rutgers fans proud of Adam Corsak being maybe their best player? Oh, a hundred, a hundred percent. You know, now that Greg Shiano has come back, Rutgers has kind of had a pulse and like on on offense, defense, and everything like that. Uh, but a couple of years ago, when you know Adam Corsak was was the guy on the football team, he was the face of the football team, and you know he was pinning guys deep. And honestly, that was the best part of the game. If, you know, for Rutgers at, the, at that point under. Under Chris Ash a couple of years ago, um, I you know personally pound for pound, I think he's the best player on the team as well, and uh, the, all the fans absolutely love him. And he he loves Rutgers. He he came back for uh, you know this past, he came back this year for for his last year. Um, you know he didn't he didn't need to he didn't have to, but uh, he applied. He came back. He loved Rutgers, and he kept he you know he still wanted to punt for Rutgers, and uh, he's still phenomenal as always. I I like to call him. I, I like to say he's a wizard. So like the way he kind of, you know, maneuver the maneuver the ball and everything like that. So he's, he's great. I have to ask you, is, is it true that we could be seeing a walk on punter for Rutgers? Are they down Noah Vedral? Uh, is it Wimsat? Is he also down now? Yeah. So right now quarterback Vedral and Wimsat are both, um, are both, um, game time decisions right now. They're, they both, uh, you know, Vedra got hurt. You know, a, a while ago, Wimsett kind of went down this past week against Temple. Um, you know, they still have Evan Simon, who's there, you know, scholarship guy. He started last week. Um, I think it's probably safe to say at, at this point he's probably the likely star at this point. Okay. But 
there is still, you know, a couple of days left. So we'll see how Vedril and, and maybe Wimsat, you know, maybe one of them is, is healthy and, and, and they can start as well. And, and Simon, uh, again, redshirt freshman, tell us about his skill set and how he differs. I, I was gotten a look at each Kirk Ferentz at his press conference today. He, they have had a look at each one of these guys now on film, which is somewhat mm-hmm. of an advantage, but I'm assuming they're all different. Tell us about the uh, three styles because we could potentially see any of one of the three. Sure. Yeah, you know, Vedril is he's a veteran guy. Um, he knows the offense in and out. Um, you know, he doesn't have the strongest arm, but he won't really put you in a bad spot. Um, you know, he and he can run too, you know, when called upon. Um, Evan Simon, I feel I feel like he's he's very accurate with the ball on short to medium range passes. And uh he he, he can run as well. You know, he ran a lot in high school. He hasn't really run much, you know, at, at Rutgers so far, but he has that ability also. Uh, Gavin Wimsett, you know, he was a four-star quarterback coming out of high school. Um, he has wheels. He's very good in the in the read option game. Um, he could. He's his arm strength is is phenomenal. You know, he he threw a, a deep ball for a touchdown two weeks ago, and he barely, you know, he barely, you know, used any strength to do it. Basically, I guess I guess I can say so. Um, all all three all three guys kind of kind of different styles. Um, but they all can run. So I guess possibly that's you know one common common thing they have there. And um, is it uh, again? Do I pronounce this kid's name correctly? Johnny Langan. Yeah, yeah. Is that correct? At wide receiver, he had a. I guess you could call it a, a breakout game um, this past week against Temple, which, mm. by all accounts, uh, is a de- is a pretty good defense um, with seventy nine yards on nine carries. Mm-hmm. Um, Ruggers wants to run the football, but uh, Chris, I don't. Or uh, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any scooting around. These are two bad offenses. Can we agree on that right now? Regardless of w- the reason why, is it because of injuries at quarterback for Rutgers or mm-hmm. whatever the case may be? I think we both understand this is a battle of two defensive units that are stellar, two special teams units that are stellar, and two offenses mm-hmm. that have a long way to go. Yeah, yeah. the Rutgers offense played, you know, really not on par of what they did the first two weeks, uh, you know, last game out against Temple. Um, they had, you know, almost 600 yards against Wagner two weeks ago. Um, first game they beat Boston College. They almost had 400 yards. Uh, but last week, I don't know what the difference was. You know, nobody really kind of pinpoint why or you know or what happened. But they really you know played very poorly on offense. Um, you know, going back to going back to Giant Langan. Um, he's actually a tight end. I know I know you said a wide receiver. Um, but he he's really more than a tight end. He does everything. I'll, I'll be honest. You you probably will see him playing quarterback at at some point. So. Um, they call him Johnny Offense. He does everything. He can block, catch. He might seem a running back. Might seem kind of, kind of, kind of like a fullback role, also possibly. So, I mean, he does a little. He does a little bit of everything. He just wants to play football. He likes playing football. He's a really good offensive player, and uh, you know, he's honestly a great, a great weapon for for Rutgers to have. Mark, anything from you? Well, this team has uh, talking about Rutgers. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's an obvious approach here. Uh, they're risk averse. They're going to throw it 12 or 14 times a game as long as they're staying in the game. Um, you know, that's been proven throughout Greg Shigano's tenure, not just this this year. But, you know, they're down by nine points against B.C. in the first game. Uh, in the second half, they're able to come back, win that game. And then we see the the Temple performance. Uh, they're going to run the ball. And I think this mm-hmm. was asked of Greg Shigano this week, 80 percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Period. Eighty percent of the time on first down, they're they're pretty predictable. Um, yeah. Do you see any hope that they're going to expand on the passing game? 
maybe find more explosive plays and, and more efficiency in the passing game going forward? It's, it's, it's a great question. Um, yeah, I know our, our Richard Schneider right, asked that question the other day at the press conference. Um, you know, I feel like I feel like if Rutgers can possibly, you know, like, even if they don't necessarily complete the passes for for long gains, I think just showing a pass play on first down, maybe maybe kind of you know change things up a little. It gives you know gives defense something to think about. Um, you know that's you know you can't be one dimensional in a college football game, especially in the Big Ten. You got to be able to to mix it up a little bit. Um, I I do think that offensive coordinator Sean Gleason is capable of calling a creative game. I mean. The first game against Boston College, they really showcased Aaron Cruikshank a lot. You know, he ran the ball, caught the ball. So, I mean, he's capable of, you know, putting guys in good places to be able to be successful. Um, we have seen a bunch of trick plays out of this offense in, in, in the past couple of years. So, I, I think, I think I, you know, I have a theory that they they really wanted to just move on from the Temple game in a way and kind of like just, just, just win and move on because I think they were – Kind of looking forward to Iowa, even though nobody, you know, said it or anything like that. So, um, I, I think I think you can see the Rutgers offense do something different. Um, but again, it depends, you know, who was available at quarterback and, and if they had depth there. Because um, I think I think when you saw that Evan Simon was only quarterback um, and healthy against Temple late in the, you know, for the rest of the game after the first quarter, I think maybe they got even more conservative to not get him hurt or anything like that as well. So. Yeah, most of the worst passing offenses we see statistically in the country are obviously the three uh, service academies. We see mm-hmm. Iowa sixth worst in just looking at uh, passing yards per game, and Rutgers mm-hmm. isn't far behind, even with the big Wagner boost. Yeah. So uh, one one last question for me is more of a program question because I find mm-hmm. this, this uh, program fairly intriguing uh, because what they achieved with Greg Schiano the first time around in the Big East, he comes mm-hmm. back. They're decidedly better from what they were losing 21 consecutive Big Ten games. He shows up yeah. on campus and boom, all of a sudden they're respectable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are limitations there. You know, what what you know, he made the comment something to the effect that, you know, we're on to something special here. Mm-hmm. He made that comment the other day. You know, what what do you think he and everyone in the program is reasonably uh, shooting for? Um not just this season, but uh, for Rutgers football. Sure, I think really the goal every year is, should, is just to make a bowl game. Um, it's obviously tough when you're playing the Big Ten East right now, the way the divisions are set up. So, I mean, they're likely not going to win a Big Ten championship anytime soon. I'm sure Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and then of course Iowa, Wisconsin, and everything like that on the west side are, are really good. So, I think really just the main thing for Rutgers is to shoot for a bowl game every year, six wins. Um, I know, I know Shiano, I think wants to get into playing more, you know, an FCS team every year to kind of get, get that one more win to kind of help them along as a season, you know, for the season. So, um, but yeah, I think just getting a bowl game is really the kind of really the main focal point every, every single season. And they really did that when Shiano was here the first time around, they went to like nine bowl games in the last 10 years or something like, or something to that effect. So. Um, yeah, I mean, really, just just that making a bowl game, and they went to one last year, but obviously they went five and seven. They replaced Texas A and M in the Gator Bowl, um, so that was obviously a different circumstance. But now, the, but now the players kind of feel that, and they know what to expect, and they kind of know, you know, what it takes to to get there, to get that one more win, to get that sixth win. So I think really, also making that bowl game last year was actually a really great thing. You know, they didn't have 
uh, you know, the extra practices as, you know, what a normal team would get because they had like a week notice, you know, before the game. But uh, yeah, I think just, you know, again, I said again, you know, just making a bowl game is probably really the main focal point for a season for Rucker. So no aspirations to win a national title anytime soon, Chris. So, I mean, he always says he, he, uh, he you know, he wants one. I'm so, of, of course the players always want one. I'm sure, I'm sure there's an empty spot on the shelf somewhere, you know, in, in his office or something. <laughs> Chris Nowalski, catch his uh, work there at Rutgers Rivals site, uh, The Night Report. Chris, we appreciate you stopping by. And uh, it could be a quick game, you know, a lot of running the clock, running the football, uh, you know, a lot of scoring stops the clock, change of possessions, commercial time. So it could mm-hmm. be a quick uh, little tidy two-hour and 50-minute game. So, Or it's a seven-hour game like Iowa-Nevada on Saturday, Mark. <laughs> Yeah. It was weather-aided. Yeah, there's okay. no. Way, I don't think there's any rain in the forecast for this game, Chris. I, I checked the Piscataway weather. It looks like clear. I don't know why Fox thought this would be a night game, but it is. So uh, I, I would assume. The last question for me, Chris, is: Are the students going to come out? I mean, how how full will that stadium be on Saturday? So I actually did an article today. Um, you know, after practice, you know, if you look on the ScottandNice.com website for tickets, like. Um, all every section is either sold out or hurt or have you know low amount wow. of tickets to buy so wow um, i think and the, and fans are gonna i mean the fans are gonna be there especially for a night game on saturday night the students are gonna be there um so i think it'll honestly be a really good atmosphere um you know Rutgers hasn't had a night game big 10 game in such a long time the last time they had it was ohio state and frankly there was probably more ohio state fans there that day but um, you know, Rutgers 3-0, I was 2-1. I think Rutgers fans believe that, you know, the Scarlet Knights have a shot in this one. And uh, I think it really be a really good atmosphere, which we've seen, uh, you know, not recently, but uh, within the last decade, there's been some really, really, really good atmospheres at, at Rutgers. And I think you'll see that again on Saturday night. So would you say this is the, the uh, biggest hyped game in some time? Like, I mean, from, from a fan's perspective, I mean, again, what's, what, when's the last time they've sold out? Last time they sold out, I'm not sure when the last time they sold out was. Possibly, possibly 2012. Possibly, I'm not. I'm, not, I'm gonna have to check wow. on that. But wow, uh, yeah. So, I mean, so, Rutgers really, really hasn't been good since 2014. So, uh, so are we I mean, looking I at guess, a sellout? Is there is it close to sellout status? Um, I would say possibly. I mean, you might have. I think the stadium seats about 52,000. I think I think they might get around around the 50 or so. Um, so wow. it'll be okay. it'll, it'll be it'll be close. So. What's I mean, that, you know, the, all the all the Jersey guys are all they're all loud and raucous, so I'm sure they'll have an effect on the game at some point. And there'll, there'll be some Iowa fans out there. I know Nico Regani's sure. got a ton of family out there because he's from the area. And uh, sure. listen, there's there should be Iowa's been recruiting the Hun School like there's mm. no tomorrow. So um, you know, we got Marco Linez committed, and they've got uh, uh, obviously I mentioned, um, I believe uh, Nico Regani was uh, is it Avon? I believe he is Avon. Okay, I think um, it's Connecticut, possibly. Right. So, but he's got a ton of kids there and, and uh, mm-hmm. they've done, done pretty well out in New Jersey. So I would guess uh, there are going to be some Hawkeye fans in there as well, Mark. But th- this reminds me, Mark, a little bit of the Maryland game last year. Remember, both teams were undefeated and Maryland was undefeated and there was some hype. Now, Iowa dominated Maryland in that game, put, you know, put up a 50 burger on them. And uh, Talia Tagovailoa was uh, a disaster. I just don't think this is Rutgers defense is much better than Maryland's has ever been under Michael Oxley. Uh, I don't think, uh, as far as coaching, um, I think 
clearly uh, Shiano's the better coach overall, certainly on the defensive end of the of side, side of things. And then, of course, the last time Iowa went to Rutgers, was that 2016 that it was 14-7? to seven and uh, that, that, that sounds right. And then I think to, they played like three years ago, 2019 maybe. So Yeah, yeah and that one was in Kinnick, and that right. was one-sided. But the game out there yeah. was, was, was tough. It was... I, I mean, I just remember how painful that game was to watch. And I mean, painful, not if you're a defensive guy. I mean, it was a fun game to watch, I guess. Sure. But uh, yeah, Mark, it, it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be like what happened with Maryland last year. I think those fans are going to be involved in a game like this. It's it's going to be a game of inches. Well, I'm trying to reason why the big push for a sellout. I heard Shiano talking about the fan support and so forth. Uh, so, so this Rutgers team obviously plays four big powers in the Big Ten East and play them every year. And because of the schedule, home and away, play two of them at home. Uh, I, I It sounds like between it being a night game, Iowa not being a common opponent, being mm-hmm. a big opponent, but also maybe a push because it's a big opponent that maybe there's a feeling that they can compete and possibly pull off an upset. Yeah, 100%. I think, I think it all... I, I think a big factor is Rutgers is three and is 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 three and zero at this point. You know, and a lot of a lot of I guess Jersey fans or Rutgers fans can be you know fair fair weather fans. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get heat for that at some point. But you know, if if they win, they show up, and if they don't win, you know, a lot of them, a lot of the diehards are, are, are only there really. So um, I think I honestly just think it would be a good atmosphere. Um, a lot of the players say we're talking about how excited they are. But they also know, you know, they have to control their emotions and, you know, just play the play and everything, everything like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, Shiano wants to build this thing where, you know, they're like any other Big Ten team where the fans travel to, to, to road games and they have, you know, big crowds at home. And uh, I think this is, you know, the the first game since Shiano has been back that it's going to be uh, a really good atmosphere at night. And, uh, of course, night games always have a little bit, you know, more more juice than, than a 12 o'clock game too, so. Chris, we appreciate you stopping by. And once again, everybody, if you want to get uh, prepped from the um, Rutgers side, go to the night report there on Rutgers Rivals. Uh, Chris, we appreciate you stopping by. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. See you at the game, Saturday. Appreciate it. Good stuff, the Mark. The line on the game is seven and a half. Hawkeyes by seven and a half. The over-under, you want to take a shot? Say that again. I'm sorry. The over-under. Oh, I looked at. I, I know it's thirty-four and a half, which oh, is thirty-four and a half. Okay, which is uh, close to being the lowest over/under in college football history. The lowest over/under uh, in college football history, I believe. What I saw, according to Barstool, was thirty-four. Uh, one of you know, it was tied for thirty-four last year. Iowa, Wisconsin was thirty-four. Did not hit the over. Was a push, and in two thousand, I believe it was fifteen. Mizzou had a game that was thirty-four that actually hit the under. So. Um, this has a chance to see if it moves down to 34 or 33 and a half to be the lowest over under in the history of college football. Okay. Maybe we'll that. make that uh, a poll question. We'll leave that here on the community page and make that a poll question over under Iowa Rutgers, 34 and a half. Iowa makes two of the top three lowest over unders in history. That's not something I don't think it's necessarily anything to be proud of, but you know, the, the, it does uh, have something to do with the defense. It as does. Well. It absolutely does. And I did see, um, I believe I, what was the number? Let me find this stat that I guess I can throw out there. Let me just say this. Chris was uh, a lot higher on Rutgers than I am on Iowa right now. And he's also a lot higher on Rutgers than I am on Rutgers. I, I yes. don't with all due respect to Chris yeah. and he knows Rutgers football far better than I do. I have no faith in that offense at all. No, 
They've got three quarterbacks that, I, you know, just what I know, they're all mediocre. None of them are healthy. Uh, well, the one is Simon's healthy, right? But two of them are not healthy. They got a walk-on pushing Simon. So I don't, you know, they, they haven't been able to run the, fo- the football consistently. Um, they try to run the football. I mean, they do run the football maybe better than Iowa does, but that's not saying much. And um, I would say the same thing about the Iowa-Nevada game. Like, I don't think we learned much of anything from that game. And we did, Mark, you know, we did two post-game shows. I did a post-game show after the game. We did a post-game show Sunday night with Don. I did a weather delay show from the, the stadium on Saturday. Like, I still don't believe I really learned much from that game. Iowa still didn't run the football well. Caleb Johnson broke off two big runs, but I think they were just slightly over two yards per carry if you take away those two runs from Caleb Johnson against that Nevada defense. That ain't good. Rutgers is not going to amass more than 220 total yards in this game. And I will say that unless the game gets out of hand, Iowa's up 34-7 and they get some garbage yardage in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I can't imagine Rutgers doing anything against Iowa's defense. I really can't. It's I can't either. It comes down to turnovers, right? It just comes. I mean, I would think it comes down to who who takes care of the ball. Here we go, Corey. I'm going to look up the box because this came up when we did our offseason preview of this game. I'm going to look up the box score from the 2019 matchup because it is crazy how dominant Iowa's defense or putrid Rutgers offense was in this game. Rutgers threw uh, for 47 yards, 10 of 27 passing for two picks, and they ran it 22 times for 78 yards. So they had uh, they had 125 yards of total offense, lost 30 to nothing. Now, this is a better Rutgers team. Can we agree with that? It's a better defense yeah, than are. that team was. And this is a worst Iowa offense. Yeah, that was one year prior to Shiano. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for the record, I, you know I don't have any respect for what pro you know pro football focus does for college. I don't even know who does these grades. But they've got Iowa uh, in third place for the highest graded secondaries, uh, one of the highest graded secondaries in the country. You and I have talked about this secondary maybe being the weak spot for Iowa's defense. And, you know, I don't think it's right now. It's not a weak spot at all. How about Cooper DeGene? Let's talk about something really positive. That kid is a future star, Mark. And I keep saying that every week. And that's not just what he did against Nevada, but every week he's making plays all over the field. There's been fans who have asked, why aren't we playing this kid on offense? And I'm starting to think like, man, he he's he is a, a unique guy and I, I i've used the comparison with uh, rondell moore to arlen bruce i you almost wonder if maybe cooper de a better comparison to a rondell moore just the, just his his uh you know he's not a big guy he's, a, he's obviously undersized but he's got quickness he's physical like rondell moore people don't realize that kid was physical he wasn't just a good receiver he was a physical guy um and i i don't know cooper de played i mean he, he was an athlete all over the football field on both sides of the ball in high school so I, I don't know. Iowa has gotten healthier at wide receiver. Breck, Brody Breck got some action, some significant action. They took a lot of shots this past Saturday, which we've been waiting for. Reganey's back healthy. It sounds like Keegan Johnson now had a setback. And so he may not play this Saturday, which is not good. They are healthier at wide receiver than they were the first two weeks. So I don't know. You, you just I hate to see Xavier Wampa's redshirt being burned as a gunner on special teams. And I also hate to think, man, what could Cooper DeGene do on offense? Because that kid's got some serious talent and he is listed now 
as your backup punt returner and your backup kick kick returner, in addition to being your starting cash guy and a backup cornerback. So he's being played all over the football field, Mark. Besides on offense. Yes, which uh, Michael says it's just not going to happen. Doesn't give a reason why, but just not going to happen. Well, I don't, I'm not predicting it's going to happen. I don't think uh, I said that. I, I'm just saying, uh, Michael, that uh, if I was making decisions, I would at least consider that, especially when my wide receiving core uh, has uh, not only, first of all, even when this wide receiving core gets healthy, Mark, we thought it was still a weakness. I, I never perceived this to be a strength, especially after losing Charlie Jones to the portal. By the way, Mark, we can't talk about Charlie Jones anymore on this show because people are so hypersensitive about it. Like people are mad about the fact that the media keeps bringing it up. And you know, I've been critical of the media. I have no problem bringing up Charlie Jones' numbers. Why is that off limits? Why? Why are we over talking Charlie Jones? To me, isn't it? Isn't it? Uh, isn't it relative to what? Yes. The struggles are on offense right now, and in general. But Pete, fans do not want to hear us talk about Charlie Jones anymore. And I, I just. Uh, I'll, I'll liken it to another wide receiver transfer here in recent years. But so, so it's an apt comparison on one end. On the other end, it's the complete antithesis. So Ohio State had such a wide receiver room that they lost Jamison Williams a couple of years ago to Alabama because he couldn't get on the field at Ohio State. He goes to Alabama, catches like 100 balls for a zillion yards and 18 touchdowns or whatever as a crazy year. And, well, the difference there is then Ohio State still scoring 52 points a game. But but here you lost a guy that is this is insane the numbers he's putting up thirty catches in three games. Okay, in response, I love Hair Trigger eighty three. He's here every show. Hair Trigger eighty three. I'm going to disagree with you vehemently. My issue bringing up Charlie is it doesn't matter. It does matter. Yes. The more he goes off, the more he goes off, the more the Iowa offense and the Iowa coaching staff looks bad. And if there's anything that's going to ignite change it might just be how embarrassing this gets. And the more Charlie goes off, the more embarrassing it gets. That's how I look at it. And Absolutely. we already had this hunch that Charlie was a lot better than he was proven to be on offense at Iowa. And I'm just saying, I'm rooting for him to go off, not necessarily even because of that, because I want Iowa to look bad. I also root for anybody who's a former Hawkeye. Uh, and he made a decision that was best for him. And, and I, I root for him. I think it's cool to see what he's doing. And it's also it also makes you it just... It reiterates the notion that Iowa doesn't utilize talent. And I think it also narrows our focus, Hair Trigger. It's not just a matter of, you know, because we've wondered, is it recruiting? Is it evaluating? Is it development? I think some of it's recruiting, but this is a perfect example, Mark, where it maybe it's not recruiting so much because they identified Charlie Jones from Buffalo and got him to come to Iowa. All right. The problem is they didn't know how to use him once he got here. So at least we're we're kind of maybe helping. We're, we're starting to figure out okay, where are the the primary issues? Uh, where where do those primary issues lie? Isn't isn't that a fair way of reasoning this out, Mark? Absolutely. You're talking about the worst offense in the conference, one of the worst in the nation. Just not by any stretch can anybody argue that this offense is not underperforming by leaps and bounds. It's atrocious, and you have a player who showed flashes obvious was a was a one of the top players in, in the nation in the return game uh but he moves on as a wide receiver to a team in your division and he is completely tearing it up 
you know, I watched the the second half of that Purdue uh, Syracuse game, and my goodness, he and uh, Aiden O'Connell almost single handedly uh, won that game between the two of them. Now, of course, you can also say in regards to scheme development, those things not being there. Just Aiden O'Connell is just so good compared to Spencer Petras that he's going to get those guys the football to watch him sling the ball around. Right. It's just, it's a different game. And, and the thing is, is, uh, you know, we've talked about how fans like to bring up, well, Purdue's losing. What's it? Does have nothing totally irrelevant. It's completely irrelevant to the topic we're discussing. So, but, but besides that, it's not just Charlie Jones. It's also George Kittle. Now George Kittle fought injury issues, but you know, he goes to the league and sets all kinds of, I mean, he, the dude went to the league and set records in the league at tight end. Noah Fant, first-round draft pick, but he was underutilized here. I don't think there's any question about it. And we're not – so it's not just picking on Brian. And it's not, this, is, uh, this is something that Iowa needs to work on, right? It's, it's ability to develop guys and utilize talent. And, you know, it's, it's – I will say this. If there's one positive thing to look at, it's that Iowa does have an offensive mind right now as an analyst in John Budmeyer. Now, so far, we're not really seeing any positive effects from that hire. I, don't, I would venture to say quarterback play has not been – any better than it was last year and the offense has been far worse so but um, the point is sometimes those analysts i would think you'd think john budmeyer would be the type of guy mark who could say i'm not saying i'm just using cooper to gene as an example but like john budmeyer could look at his skill set and say hey this is how we could use him it doesn't mean we're switching him to offense but it means we have a, a package of three plays ready per game where we bring cooper in mark is that unreasonable I guarantee you Don Patterson would agree with this. I've talked to Don off the record about this. There's nothing yeah, wrong with having a yeah. package of plays for a specific player um, available. I remember back in 26, uh, see, 20, uh, it would have been 2016 when Desmond King returned, when he should have went to the league the year before, probably would have been drafted much higher, ends up coming back. Iowa struggles in 2016, and, and Iowa's offense was atrocious. Remember, they had problems with injury at wide receiver that year. They were down to Riley McCarron as their number one receiver, who was a decent slot receiver, but he should never be your number one guy. Kind of similar to what Iowa had this year for a few games. But uh, Matt Vandenberg had broken his foot that year, and there was serious talk amongst fans and even some of the media. Why not use Desmond King as a receiver? And I've had talks with Don Patterson, who again, who's a former offensive coach, and some people would say, well, he's, he's outdated. He's an older guy. Don Patterson, I remember telling me that he, he wouldn't have minded seeing Desmond King running a couple plays, having a couple plays ready for Desmond King in 2016 because that shows, first of all, that that gives your the defense something to think about, right? You just trot him out in the field. He could be a decoy, Mark, and that's going to throw that defense for a loop, at least for that one play. Why not utilize stuff like that? You could do the same thing with Xavier Wampa. Iowa's offense is, is, is so bad, Mark, that it's it's you, you've got to be creative and you've got to use imagination and – I I'm, I have no issue with that line of reasoning. You've got some guys on defense that are special. And, Mark, they've got too many guys. they got more guys than they can play. Like, that's the issue, too, right now. Jamari Harris is out with injury. What happens when he comes back? This Cooper DeGene just, I assume they just play him at cash? Uh, because he's been playing a lot at corner. They've also got Riley Moss. They've got Terry Roberts, who's been sensational. Justin Jacobs is coming back. We've seen Cooper DeGene on the field more since Jacobs has went out, and they've been going more cash. What happens when he comes back? He's, you know, he was on the, uh, um, what's the linebacker award watch list? Now I can't think of the. The Nagurski. 
Nagurski uh, award watch list. Uh, so my point is they've got a lot of talented guys on TJ Hall. TJ Hall's dad was a terrific wide receiver for Coach Patterson <laughs> at Western Illinois. His, so he, this kid's got great hands. He's 6'1", 6'2". I'm just saying, be creative. Uh, and I, I think they've got some pe- personalities. Even LeVar Woods has proven on special teams to be a guy who's willing to be creative. Use the personnel you have to be creative, Mark especially in games like this against Rutgers where points are going to be hard. It's going to be hard to line up there, Mark, and run the the football between the tackles. It's just going to be hard. It's a good Rutgers uh, defense, a good Rutgers run defense, and a subpar Iowa offense. We understand that. So you're going to have to – you cannot go into this game and be predictable. Now, they may be able to go in this game and be predictable, Mark, and win 10-7. But if if, if you do that – you're setting up for the same story when you play the big boys, and I'm talking about Wisconsin. I'm talking about – Purdue, because Purdue's owned Iowa recently. I'm talking about Michigan. I'm talking about Ohio State. You are not going to be able to go up there and be predictable without a dominant offensive line, and Iowa doesn't have that yet. They looked better against Nevada. They ran the ball better at times. But again, the average when you take away those two Caleb Johnson runs was not impressive. So I think right now my my advice, and nobody cares what I have to say, especially the coaching staff, my advice, though, to Kirk would be we've got to be creative more than ever. And that's something that we've lacked for years. Now is the time to try to find a way to be creative and use Bud Meyer, use LeVar Woods, use the guys who actually have the creative minds. All right, folks. Uh, interesting that um, one one particular caller from a previous show has gained a lot of attention in the chat. So we're not going to derail a conversation for that. So we just we just do what we do here and present great content and conversation with uh, the call-in shows and with uh, what we do here with Corey. And we're not going to change anything that we do. Number one, Mike3883, we appreciate that you love this show and the Florida State show and you want a Wisconsin channel and a Purdue channel. We would love to do that at, at some point down the line as well. All right. Um, you will have your predictions later in the week, correct? Uh, yes, I will. Can yeah. I just address real quick? I know we're wrapping this thing. Can I just address? I will have my predictions later this week. Yeah. What What is this comment? I'm going to the Maryland game. Sure. Hope I can afford to feed my family this week. Corey, I'm going to the Maryland game. <laughs> so is this a, this is, let me say, let me just put this. This is a reference back to my predictions in 20. 21 for the Big Ten Championship game, and I think I made. What did I say? I think I, I think it was. Well, the comment that that I think it was Michigan fans took offense to was that I had implied that perhaps there'd be a smaller turnout for Michigan fans at the Big Ten title game because they mm-hmm. showed up for the Ohio State game, and I had forgotten all about that conversation. And Jared just brought it to my attention, so thank you for bringing that up, Jared. I'm surprised that you remembered that. Jag plus and others, if there are particular people you would like to see guests on the show, please don't send it in the live chat because I'm just going to miss it and it won't be accomplished. You can hit me up at MarkRidersTV at Gmail or leave a comment to one of the videos. The the two specific matchups that I am intrigued to see this season, uh, the one I was anticipating, now the one has been a fully developing story based on Charlie Jones' emergence, is Ohio State's offense against Iowa's defense. And now it's Charlie Jones against Iowa, of course. That's going to be tremendous. I, I foresee him putting up yards. I don't know that he'll put – I don't know what he'll do, Mark. I, I can't predict that. But, I mean, 
it's Brom has proven to be whoever their star receiver is, they get yards against Iowa. And Iowa typically doesn't change a whole lot of schematically. Maybe they will this year. But I mean, yeah, the, the Ohio State one's fascinating because I, I really do believe that Iowa's defense is better than it was last year. Hmm. But as we saw in the Michigan game, no matter how good it is, that offense never fires a shot. There's too much talent on the likes of Michigan's offense, Ohio State's offense to be held down for 60 minutes. And um, so, yeah, and we get uh, one more note, Mark, before we go. Uh, Michigan, Iowa will be big noon kickoff. You may have seen that. Uh, So we had speculated that that might be the case, but also it speculated that maybe it'd end up later in the game, but Fox will have that game at 11 a.m. Central time. So uh, (laughs) we'll see what happens with Rutgers first. That's a, this is, this is a dangerous game this week. I've been touting this game. I've been touting this game as dangerous Mark from back. I think when we talked with Richie, I I just think it's because they know how to play defense. It's going to be close. So Corey, what do you have available this week for everyone on from the Hawkeye of the storm? Well, we got Hawkeye Hangout Live Edition. We've been doing that weekly on Wednesdays, 9 p.m. So we'll be live taking uh, calls uh, tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Central Time. Um, of course, everything uh, we do, Hawkeye Hangout, uh, the uh, Brad's Branded Thoughts podcast, as well as our post-game shows and this show, are all podcasted, so available on the uh, From the Hawkeye of the Storm podcast platform. And of course, uh, we'll get my prediction for we'll get my preview for Iowa Rutgers and uh, also a score prediction and uh, my uh, my weekly picks. Uh, it's funny. I, I've had multiple people now say um, you're being disingenuous when you say that uh, you're, you don't bet on games, but you release a pick em segment. Mark, is it possible for me? to That'd be like saying we, you and I couldn't play cards without gambling. Yeah. Like, you know, there is such a thing as is picking games just to challenge yourself. Yeah. Uh, so I, for anybody I, who wants to yeah. ensue that, in, in, imply that, uh, whatever. Absolutely. Um, but yes, I release my, I'll release my weekly picks uh, probably Thursday, and then we'll have post game with Don Patterson Saturday. I believe Don will be on with us live after the games. So I got to check with Don. He's got, um, he does have uh, one or two weeks this year. He'll have, um, he'll be doing the commentating for uh, Missouri Valley games. Um, and we'll, so we'll do a show on Sunday like we did this past weekend. I got to check with him on that, but I'll be here no matter what after the game on Saturday. It'll be a late post game show, but we'll be right here, hopefully, re, uh, recapping an Iowa win. So uh, that surprised me. Our, even our little show here that we do even makes your audio podcast list. Yes, you've talked you about that, that, Mark. I, I, I was not aware. You did. You We talked about this. You forget that I'll have to pull this conversation up. <laughs> That's fine. It's great. I, I appreciate that. I, I just didn't know. Or if I did know, I forgot. Uh, Jared is here. Corey's a good sport. Thank you so much for that, Jared. We appreciate that. Thanks, Jared. And uh, I also want to highlight uh, before we take off, uh, of course, our sponsor, Gene Arthur Associates. I just left the uh, the link in the live chat, everyone, and you can find it on the description section of all the videos here at the Voice of College Football Iowa, www.jaainsurance.com. Get your instant quotes on any insurance needs. So I'm guessing that everybody here would like to save a buck on insurance or two or 20 or whatever the case might be. So any type of insurance needs that you have, uh, Gene Arthur Associates there at www.jaainsurance.com. And again, you can grab that link at any time if you forget it. And then, hey, a day from now, think, hey, I want to grab that link and get it 
an instant insurance quote, it's um, at the top of all the videos in the description section here on the Voice of College Football, Iowa. All right, Corey, Rutgers, Iowa. I'll have to brew that one over before I make my selection as well. I will not be betting on the game, but I am allowed to make a prediction on the game, everyone. Okay. We'll, we'll all be doing that. Where are we at with the weekly picks? Because, you you know, of course, the media group, we all compete in our... Uh... Yeah, I, I didn't look at this past week's uh, selections. Okay. I didn't do very well. I don't think I did great against. I was, well, I don't know where I was against the spread. I was doing decent against the spread up until this past week, and I don't think I was. Uh, yeah, my numbers. Were, I don't know what hard. my record is. It's not very good in uh, our little twelve pack. I am against the spread thirty four, and I'm only. It's not real good. Thirty four and twenty nine. That's what fifty five percent, maybe. That's against the spread. I hope to do like sixty percent. That's always the goal. Yeah, appreciate it, Mark. We'll, right, uh, folks. We'll, We'll talk next Tuesday. Sounds good.